Welcome to Mind Your Small Business, a brand new podcast from AXA which makes starting or running a business easier. This week we're going to chat about something that is critically important for all of us, but especially self-employed folk, work-life balance and mental health. I'm Gordon Rutherford from AXA and this week I'm delighted to be joined by Anne Kapoor and Simon Gallagher. Anne launched her business, Festival in a Bag, in spring of 2019. It's an incredibly innovative one-stop solution for festival goers with all of your essentials in one rucksack. Simon's business is a little bit younger. His company, RDAM Consulting Limited, which specialises in consultancy and evaluation and education, launched in July last year. So, good morning, Anne and Simon. Good morning. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Uh, Let's begin by finding out a little bit more about what you both do. So, starting with you, Anne, Please tell our listeners a little bit more about Festival in a Bag and why you started it. Um, well, it sort of it came about late well Christmas time, twenty eighteen, and I just th- thought, what was I going to do for twenty nineteen? Had been in education before that, teaching, and I decided just to change track completely, uh, employment wise. And I thought, what would my children be doing at some point during the year? Mm. And I thought, well, festivals, festivals, festivals. Um, and um, I started to source um, just camping gear, but then I thought, well, everybody's doing camping gear, I need to offer something different. And it was a sort of a light bulb moment at the kitchen table, and I decided that I needed to uh, design a rucksack and fill that rucksack, so it became a one-stop shop for camping gear. And it saved mums like me having to drive around uh, buying stuff, begging and borrowing, only to have it trashed or, or left behind. So. We make all of our products that are in the bag um, sustainable and accountable. So we encourage people not to leave anything behind at festivals. And, and that's that amazing. It, and it took off, yeah. I mean, it's really amazing. It's, it's, it's such a simple idea, as many of the best ideas are, but it's, it's incredibly effective and uh, it's, it's exactly what every festival goer needs, I guess. Um, and the same question for you, Simon. What's RDAM Consulting all about, and what was the catalyst for it? Well, well, the, the catalyst was um, taken from a, a planned redundancy from uh, the previous organisation I've been working for, and I've been working in and around education, research, evaluation, policy, mostly to do with science, technology, mathematics, and digital skills for over twenty-five years. And the organisation I was working for up until last July. Um, was beginning to withdraw from its kind of student-facing programmes, the very active things, and to concentrate its work more on um, research, um, which is a very you know, sensible strategic decision for them. So I began to plan for my redundancy from about um, back end of 2019 and into the start of spring 2020. Uh, and the prospect of you know, taking redundancy and starting something new in s- summer of 2020 seemed great in January, February. 2020. Uh, and uh, then something else came along in the shape of a pandemic, and <laughs> uh, the, the planning had to kind of change somewhat. Um, and uh, it seemed what originally felt like quite a, a good idea and a good solid plan um, suddenly began to feel slightly less certain um, because the whole world uh, and the whole environment which I was working in was going to be rather uncertain. Um, but undaunted. Um, I carried on and uh, established myself in July 2020 and have been offering these uh, research advice, consultancy, policy-making um, uh, interventions to a range of different hosts since then. 
and thankfully, um, he says, reaching for the nearest bit of wood, um, it's it's been going pretty well so far. Okay, excellent. I mean, thanks, Simon. And, and listen, we're going to return to that that uh, thing about starting a business in the pandemic uh, very shortly. But before we do, let's let's look at some data because we always uh, like to kind of kick off the session by looking at some numbers. And um, one of the interesting stats I have today is, according to Mental Health UK, eighty percent of small business owners report having symptoms of poor mental health. And a recent article in Forbes reported that 30% of small business owners are working more than 50 hours a week. So it's clear that running your own business can be extremely rewarding, but it's also very demanding. And you, you're in the throes of um, your toughest, uh, at any small business's toughest period, Simon, in the first 12 months, and you, you alluded to that. And, you know, not only is it a tough uh, time the first 12 months, but you did it in the midst of the pandemic. And, when you reflect on those numbers that I've spoken about, can you identify yourself? Can you can you resonate? Do they resonate with you in some way? I, I absolutely think they do, and um, I think you've always got that moment, uh, particularly when you're self-employed, of waking up at three in the morning, thinking, "Hmm, where's the next contract coming from, or where's the next bit of business coming from?" Um, and because you know, when you're in a, a full-time employed role, you know, kind of guaranteed that there will be income by and large at the end of every month. So thinking ahead and planning ahead and being able to develop a pipeline of business um, is quite a preoccupying uh, thought for the first few months. And so undoubtedly you do spend a lot of mental energy and that can be quite draining um, sometimes thinking that through and constantly rehearsing it. Um, I was fortunate, I suppose, in many ways that I've got uh, a friend who started up a coaching and mentoring uh, business and was looking for guinea pigs to practice on. And so we would you know, periodically go for walks around the local park and just talk things through like this. Um, and I think we probably both found it in many ways very helpful, um, but it was a, a good thing for me at the very start uh, just to know that there was something I could refer to and uh, who wasn't immediately family, because I think it's, it's, you know, one doesn't always want to burden uh, you know, the people immediately around you with what you're de- dealing with and what you're thinking about. Um, when you're starting up, no, for sure. And I think that's that's so important to be able to uh, turn to someone else and 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 you know be able to share your thoughts and uh, seek advice and, and and do that kind of thing. And I mean, turning to yourself and getting back to the numbers there, is is it something that you can relate to the the amount of uh, time that it takes to 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 actually invest in the business from a self-employed perspective? Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's I think I, I sort of, as I'm now into my, the end of my uh, third, well, middle of my third year, having had a dead year last year, it's, uh, I've, I've learned how it's quite a cyclical business. So in some respects, I'm really, really busy uh, and I spend a lot of hours uh, sourcing products and doing marketing, etc. Uh, and then I'll have uh, quite a lot of time down because it, that's all set in place and I can just press a button and it'll run on social media or whatever. But uh, when it is sort of coming up to now October time, when all the festivals are announcing for next year, 2022, um, that's when a lot of my time will be taken up um, speaking with them, dealing with them. Um, And then there'll be a lull after Christmas. So it's, I wouldn't say I'm busy, you know, um, every day of every week, but I probably spend too much time um, worrying about the time I'm spending on it 
if I like Simon, I sometimes wake up at sort of five o'clock in the morning and think, oh gosh, I could put this in or I could put that, take that out. But I don't need to do that because I know that the product works the way it's set up to work. So it's a, it's a, it's a difficult one to answer for me because it is a cyclical business. Um, but my mental health has been okay. It, you know, I've, I've learned now uh, how it works, basically. Um, and in terms of getting feedback from people, I have a, a great uh, group of friends that I can talk to. Um, my children, who are much older now, um, all that when their friends come around, I talk to them about the product and ask them what they think honestly. You know, I don't need I don't need to be uh, flattered. I just need to know whether they think it's good or bad or what could be tweaked. And that that's a that's a great um, boost to confidence and that. That obviously affects you, you know, your mental health and your well-being. Um, so, yeah, I'm 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 happy with the way things are in that in that, um, I th in I that think, area. I think Anne's, yeah. Anne's made a very really good point there, which is the feedback, which can you know can be from immediate family around you, but it can also be from clients as well, um, which is is always kind of quite reassuring to remind yourself that you're you're actually quite good at what you do. Um, and that's why you, you get the business, that's why you get people coming to you and asking you to do work. Um, and, and that's, that's a, a nice vindication um, yeah. of the fact that you're doing something purposeful, something worthwhile. Uh, yeah. and, it's, and, and you should allow yourself to enjoy that. No, of course, because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're great, Anne. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, <laughs> something we touched on in an earlier episode was the whole imposter syndrome thing, and I think most self-employed people uh, who are out there on their own do suffer from that. So I think it is uh, that that whole idea of seeking feedback um, and reassurance that, you, you know, you are qualified to do what you do. Um, and you are good at it, and you can add value to people. Uh, I think that's really important. And you know, just staying with yourself, Anne. Uh, you gave a really, uh, a really good answer when talking about how you how you manage the workload and how it's cyclical. What do you find the most challenging thing is when looking after your mental health? Actually, staying focused on many different things. Uh, I'm not sort of panicking and and just throwing my hands in the air and thinking what what's going on. I, I try to be quite measured in what I do. Um, I have obviously my, my time for my family, for my house, for my golf, for my festival in a bag. And I try and make sure that I cover each one with an equal amount of, of time. If um, things get extremely uh, busy or I'm, uh, I'm called upon more for work, then I just drop one of the others, you know, to a, to a degree. So that I can manage it. I, I I try not to get too overwhelmed with things, generally. Yeah. Thanks, Anne. And the toughest thing for you, Simon? Uh, I think you know Anne's, Anne's put it rather nicely there. Is that kind of keeping all the plates spinning um, at the same time? And uh, periodically, the odd one does crash the ground, and and that's life. And you just have to pick up the pieces, glue it back together again, stick it on. Um, and you know, I, I'm very similar to Anne. Try and structure things. I work by my calendar. Um, try and systematise and calendarise everything I can uh, and then if you have to move things around and juggle because um, again if you've got family you've got to sometimes just drop everything and respond to them uh, or friends equally um, or indeed client clients who suddenly say can you just do this for me and you kind of think okay deep breath let's do that and uh, and you do it so you you do that but you know I think the upside of being self-employed is is actually being in control 
of that timing, a lot of the time you can renegotiate your workload, you can push things around, and sometimes you can create space uh, to actually make sure you've got that downtime, that time away, um, which is all important because you do need to recharge. Oh, sure. And this is possibly a leading question. Um, but both of you sound as though you are the kind of people who can cope with multiple uh, plates juggling uh, or plates spinning at the same time. Is, is that a trait that is inherent in people that they are able to cope with these things much more easily for some people? Or do you think people can... Uh, do certain things to train themselves to be better at coping with that and keeping all the plates spinning at the same time? Ooh, um, tricky, tricky question. Um, I, I'd probably confess to being slightly control freakish. And so actually being on my own means I've got my hands on everything so I can do it. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know if that's a traditional character trait of people that go into to business on their own, but I, I quite like the fact that it's me responsible for all these little moving components um, and you know, periodically work with other colleagues and work in teams and we all delegate roles and do things for each other and that's great and fine but I quite like the it's just me kind of element to it. I don't know about you, Anne. If I could just give you a little bit of history that when I moved from Liverpool down to London decades ago I was, you know, a, a sort of shy retiring flower who wouldn't say boo to a goose. And I think I've learned through business over the years how to, to talk to people. I've developed an understanding of business and um, that's given me confidence to talk to people and to take risks and to approach people that I wouldn't ordinarily have, have gone to for advice, um, for sourcing products, I've done a lot of that on my own, but I've, I've trusted my, myself to know that what I've done is the right thing. Um, I'm not a control freak, but I, <laughs> I like things my way. <laughs> uh, and it's not always that easy when you've got, say, I've got investors in my company now, so it's not always that easy um, when they have their ideas and they come from big business. Um, and mine's a small business. Um, and sometimes I think that the smaller business has a better angle on things because you understand your clients more because mm. you talk to them. Whereas from the big business point of view, it's all corporate decisions and things. So, so I would say that I've, I've had to sort of lose part of my controlling uh, aspect over my business and my mindset and try and adapt slightly to theirs as well. Okay. Um, interesting. I want to I want to kind of stay in that theme of working on your own because so many self-employed people work on their own uh, and they work kind of independently. Um, and many of them, a great, a great many of them actually work from home, which causes kind of sometimes psychological friction between uh, what is home life and what is work life. And I think that's something that increasingly people have felt in the last 18 months, not only self-employed people, because everybody has been working from home. Um, and I guess I guess that can that can bring a sense of uh, a kind of claustrophobia. And I know a lot of self-employed people do struggle with the isolation part of it. I mean, how how do you cope with that, Simon? Or are you just the kind of person who's quite happy to, to you know, crack on in your own? I'm, I'm quite happy to crack on on my own. And actually, I've, I was talking to Anne just before we came on to the broadcast about the fact that the space I sit in to work at home 
is uh, on the direct route to the kitchen. Um, so with my wife, children, others, you know, barreling through at various points in the day to get tea, coffee, lunch, which for late teenage children can be about two in the afternoon. Um, it's, it's, it's always busy um, and my computer's always here. And that, that's sometimes, you know, sitting at night and I, can, I turn my head from watching telly and I can see my computer and my desk and think, ah, oh, it'd be nice to put that away at some point. It'd be nice if it was somewhere else. Um, so that, but, you know, that's a small price to pay for being able to do what I do. Um, so I kind of look at it in a very, I hope to try and take a very balanced perspective on it. And, um, and, and I actually quite enjoy the informality of um, various family members appearing in the back of Zoom calls, um, asking where the bread is and things like this. It, it sort of humanizes the world of Zoom sometimes mm. and, and makes everybody realize that this is what we're doing and uh, we have to deal with it. So, so I, 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 it doesn't bother me really, to be quite honest. Okay. I have to say the same for me. Um, we've historically worked from, from home anyway. And during COVID, it wasn't much different than we would have done normally. Mm. So we're, we're sort of well set to, to cope with all the interruptions of cats walking past the, the Zoom meeting or, you know, just not having to uh, make such an effort to appear for a meeting well-dressed or, or yeah. whatever, I hate yeah. to say. Um, but it's um, for, for us, we have a room where we have all our computers and our work. And at the end of the day, we just turn it all off and park it till the next day yeah. so that it's so that, unlike Sam it's not in, our, in the corner of our of our eye saying please look at me please look at me because yeah. I don't want to do that I, don't, I, I can't I don't need to do that because the way my business works um, yeah. so I, I think yeah you know, and I'd like to your story about moving down from Liverpool was the, the shy mm. retiring violet and I, I think that's probably mm. something which I kind of developed over the years as well is this kind of um girding yourself up to network i think for for younger people starting up a new business you know the, kind of the regular refrain of the power and the importance of networks is, is never far away um, mm. and it can be quite daunting i think when you're in your early career stages to to be that person absolutely who, who's quite happy to you know metaphorically knock on the door or send the email and, and hold your own in a conversation with someone who you might feel is going to work with you or benefit your business so mm. so I, th I can i think for possibly for younger people starting off a business in the past year or so that if they haven't got those networks established that's a hard thing to do very hard from very hard. And, and particularly yeah. from just sitting in front of your computer yeah and it's that looking looking somebody in the eye and shaking the hand isn't it yeah you don't yeah. you don't get that um, yeah. that's that that's key to any um meeting i think yeah sets, sets the tone doesn't it yeah whereas it really over zoom it's a very much relaxed affair obviously it's serious it's about your business but it's yeah. far more more relaxed yeah um which may be good for some people and, and not so good for others i that's, that's yeah for the jury to decide i think that's right i think it is probably ultimately just different um and we're just going to have to adapt how we do networking to mm. different media Mm. Um, but it doesn't have the same quality as, as actually going and sitting and having a coffee with someone and talking about what you want to do. Yeah. Okay, and thanks both. And, and, and just, just staying with you for a second, because, you know, you spoke a little earlier and you reflected on, you know, when you moved down from Liverpool and, you know, you, you were thinking of the past and many of our listeners tune into this podcast because they are thinking of doing what both of you have done and that is to go out on their own. And when you look back to when you started out in your business, 
what do you wish you had known about you know having to spin all the necessary plates and maintaining a healthy work-life balance? Um, I think initially the, the amount of time that it took, it, I mean, having a light bulb moment at the kitchen table is great, but, but when you start to follow it through with all the components that you need to make a business successful, it takes a lot of time, a lot of research, and um, you have to go to so many people, you have to ask them lots of questions, some will give you the right ones, some will give you the wrong answers, and I think it's weighing up that um, and, and, and sort of knowing your, your, your customer or your client takes time. Don't just have a sort of knee-jerk reaction and go with the first person that says they can offer you something really cheap. Because it may be cheap, but it might not be the right product. It might fall apart. So I think just be calm. Just take time to consider, you know, make charts, do whatever you have to do, the way, however you work, post-it notes, whatever. Um, and weigh up the pros and cons, but don't rush into something. That If it's a great business idea, it will always be a great business idea, and it will work at some point. It doesn't have to work straight away. And Simon, same question? Um, the same thing which um, I suppose I've dwelt on most in, in this period has been trying to establish that kind of regularity of, of work coming through and you know talking to other people who'd done it before I jumped into this. There's always a conversation about feast and famine, uh, that sometimes you, you're overburdened and other times it's really kind of quite starkly absent of work. Um, so that's been a preoccupying thought for me is how to create that. And, and like Anne say, not panicking um, if there are quiet times and, and using that time constructively, um, using that time to maybe go back to your networks and start kind of using them or finding ways to engage with them. Uh, in order to hopefully create more opportunities in the future. Um, so I think the, um, yeah, it's a bit like the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Tow, I suppose. It just says, don't panic on it. And uh, I think that's that's been the kind of mantra mm. that sits somewhere in the back of my head. Don't mm. panic. No, indeed. And I think the, the feast and famine thing is a really interesting topic. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but in next week's episode, we're going to talk about accounting and cash flow. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the cash flow thing when you're self-employed is uh, absolutely something that will impact in your mental health at some point, purely because of that feast and famine nature of, of the beast. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we were looking there at, you know, what you wish you could have foreseen uh, you know, when you were starting your business and, and I bet that you could have foreseen <laughs> COVID, uh, you know, because you've started a business that's built upon the plethora of festivals that are bound today and then suddenly they stopped overnight. So, I mean, how did, how did that affect your mental health when suddenly, you know, your, your lifeblood was cut off, really? Um, I was, well, I was just, I was shocked mainly because I felt a huge responsibility to the people who'd invested in my company because I'd gone from being super successful to absolutely nothing. And, and they must have thought, what on earth is going on? But they're all related within the music festival industry. And, and obviously they got it. And I was probably small fry in, in, in the, the dealings with the actual big festival uh, organisers and things. But I just think that... Um, <sighs> It's, it, it's hard. I know that there's a future in the business. Um, they've stuck with me. They know there is. They know that a lot of the festivals couldn't run because of insurance issues, etc., cancellations. 
um, and they know that we're there for 2022 when it the when the festival season will kick off hugely for next year. So that's what really we're waiting for. And any disappointment that we've had over this past 18 months is, as you say, unforeseen. But uh, we've got through it with some terrific press and uh, great exposure on social media. So I can only hope going forward that um, that all transfers into great sales and even more publicity. I think it will, because I think there's going to be more appetite for festivals than ever before, because I think people now understand you know, what they've missed out on. And it's great to see that festivals have restarted. And I know that Green Man was last weekend, which is a, a, a big festival. Uh, and we could we could probably talk about music festivals for the next two hours, but we won't. <laughs> um, let's, let, let's, let's come back to you, Simon. And you, you obviously established your business. And we touched on this uh, kind of briefly earlier, but you established your business uh, just around the time the pandemic was starting. Do you think it made it easier to cope mentally because uh, you were just starting out and you were aware of everything that was going on at that time? Yeah, I think I went into it with my eyes wide open. Um, the only uncertainty being is looking at the sorts of work I was trying to gather into my organisation, so contract work, bidding for tenders, was whether or not that was just going to dry up because lots of the organisations I would hope to work for were just going to sit tight because uh, the future looked so uncertain. Um, but you know, as it, as it transpired, um, that sort of um, three to six month kind of project work was still there. Uh, so after they took a pause, it started that sort of work started to come out again. Um, but having having looked at it from the kind of early part, just when the pandemic was beginning to look real, uh, so early March 2020, uh, there was a moment we thought, oh, this could possibly have been the worst possible time. You know, you know, the only thing I could have done worse was start up a company to do something with festivals, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think it, this could just be quite risky. Um, and so I'm just going to have to hold true to what I want to do. Um, and, you know, remember not to panic and and to start using those networks assiduously. Um, and actually, the one of the things which yeah, I know we all mostly hate it, but sometimes love it, is LinkedIn and being able to use that as a place to say, this is me, um, this is what I'm doing now, this is, I'm available, um, actually did trigger quite a lot of, of interest. So I'd, I'd go back to, you know, sticking true to your kind of faith in what you're doing, uh, reminding yourself that you're actually quite good um, and, you know, use those networks, um, use, them, use them really well. And that's both for business, but also for that verification, vindication, vindication feedback uh, about what you're doing, uh, which is also part of the mental health mix um, of reminding yourself that you, you're, you're pretty good at what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to can ask one one uh, final question, if I can, b before we wrap up for today. And uh, just just briefly, and, and I want to stay with you for this one, Simon. Just now, um, you've obviously started a business and you've come through that challenging first twelve months. So congratulations as a massive achievement in, in the context of where we've come from. What advice would you give to someone out there who may be listening to this? They may be running their own business, but they're struggling to maintain a healthy work life balance. That's a $64 million question. Um, lots of things which I've done um, 
have been around structure and planning and, and giving yourself the most kind of certain platform you can to do what it is you want to do. So kind of eliminating all the risky bits, eliminating uncertainties from, from what you're proposing to do, um, and then being quite proactive and, and again dwelling on what Anne said about the transition from you know, being young and a bit kind of gauche uh, to being not pushy, but um, being prepared to put yourself forward uh, in order to, to generate new opportunities and, and to, to build new business. Um, and when you need to, you know, put your hand up, find people that you can talk to, that you can unload on, um, for want of a better expression, um, and share some of the, the tougher things that you're, you're facing because, and I think we were talking about this earlier, you know, you're not the first person to have done this. Uh, in terms of steady or business, you're probably not the first person to have hit some of these snags. So there's bound to be someone within your network, family or otherwise, who who can reflect on that experience with you uh, and possibly uh, even just make you feel better because it's not just you, but also be able to give you a bit of coaching and say, well, you might want to think about this, you might want to try that. Um, and you know, and, and you know, sometimes that can even be there. There are kind of local groups, you know, the, the local coaching groups that my colleague has started up is, is offering that sort of support and guidance to new people as well. So, so you have to probably you know, lift your head up and look and, and be prepared to speak to people. And that sounds terribly simple, but um, it's quite effective. It's, and these it's, these and, things and often are. to health, yeah. yeah. And what about yourself, Anne? What's the, what's the one kind of gold nugget of advice you would give to someone out there who may be struggling to maintain a healthy work-life balance? I, I think just to, to, to know when to switch off. Mm. Um, it's, it's difficult when you have commitments, as I do to my investors, and I do feel personally responsible for the way the business runs. But they're great support for me, um, and my friends, my friends are great support. So I can talk to each of them in, in different ways, and that that genuinely does help me um, get through through my through my work. Um, I think I alluded to the fact that I take a day off a week to play golf. Yeah. I don't take my phone with me on that day because I want to stay focused on enjoying my day out yeah. without distraction. Um, I come back to all the emails and the messages of where are you, where are you, we need this, we need that. But I've learned how to cope with that. And I think taking time for yourself um, and not having this reaction to answering emails quickly or, or mm. social media posts straight away or press comments, um, you don't need to do it straight away. We didn't used to do it straight mm. away 15, 20 years ago. You'd have a, a, a measured time to make a response. And so I'm learning now that I don't have to respond straight away and then that takes some pressure off me. Um, and I think that's helped me to understand that I can walk away to a degree and nothing's going to happen to the business. It's still going to be there at the end of the day. Thank you, Anne. Um, so much great insight and, and words of wisdom today from, from both Anne and Simon. And, as always, I'm going to finish up uh, like every good night, and that is with the key takeaways. So, I mean, I think Anne, Anne spoke laterally there about the the uh, having the ability to switch off and the need to switch off. And, you know, Anne spoke about going out in the golf course and leaving the phone behind, so not being distracted by that, so that you're immersed in the moment and you 
you know, you can really genuinely have some downtime and, and unwind and do something that you, you socially enjoy and uh, that brings you pleasure. Um, you know, Simon spoke about structure being critical and, and I do think that's important. Uh, actually, one of the earlier episodes in this series was all about structure and planning and organising and, you know, if that's something you find uh a challenge then then maybe check that out there's some great tips uh, from our guests in that uh, and I love the two things that you both spoke about you know speaking about uh, the, the the advantages and the benefits of feedback from other people just to remind you that you, you know you can do what you're doing and you are good at it um, and also taking advice from other people um, because you know you, you shouldn't feel alone you know hopefully there's somebody out there you can speak to and, and share your feelings with and, and they can they can help you manage these really difficult situations and you know it's not a sign of weakness to go to somebody and say I'm kind of struggling with this just now how do we how do we cope with it how do I cope with it um so some great takeaways I do hope it's been uh, really helpful to all of our listeners today all that's left to say is a massive thank you to Anne Kapoor from Festival in a Bag and Simon Gallagher from RDAM Consulting Limited and festivals are here again they're here to stay now people need you how can they find you? Uh, go to www.festivalinabag all one word .co.uk and we're there, and we're there on social media, Instagram and Facebook. So take a look. Fantastic. And Simon? Oh, I'm much less socially media aware than, uh, than Anne is, so you can just find me on LinkedIn, and uh, that's, that's my home. <laughs> Fantastic. Once again, thank you to both Anne and Simon for that today. Um, and if you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to the series via your usual podcast app. And if you want to find out more about the Mind Your Small Business series, you can do so at www.axa.co.uk forward slash podcast. You can also get loads of brilliant small business advice from AXA's Business Guardian Angel site, which is at www.axa.co.uk. And all that's left to say is a reminder about next week's episode. It's a topic that ain't sexy, but it's pretty critical for any business. It's all about the numbers, accounting and cash flow. So join me, Gordon Rutherford, and another couple of special guests for that. We look forward to welcoming you, uh, and thank you.